Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 123 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. As you heard in my episode titled The Big Surprise back that was in episode 116, you can listen to it at We Have Cancer Show forward slash 116, that I am back in treatment for metastatic colorectal cancer. And I'm excited to share with you, I got two pieces of good news after my third scan, it was obvious that the full theory treatment that I'm on is working. We saw major shrinkage in three of the four tumors. The fourth one is stable. So we will definitely take that as good news. Uh, my wonderful wife, Linda, and I were so looking forward to getting some piece of good news because this has been a real challenge for us, the surprise that uh, my cancer had returned. And then I found out uh, just a few days ago that I won't need full-on liver surgery, but it looks like we will be able to address these tumors via ablation. And I did have two radiofrequency ablations, RFA treatments, a couple of years ago to address the uh, small tumors that were in my lungs. And I'm excited to know that they won't have to cut me full open to take care of these tumors, that we'll be able to do it a little less invasively via ablation. I don't have a time schedule yet and how this is all going to work out in terms of chemotherapy. I know I need to continue on for another four months or so of treatment, but still waiting to consult with the specialist in terms of when this is going to happen and how we're going to make it all work. And so many of you have reached out to me with just thoughtful and kind comments of love and support for Linda and I, and uh, words can't express how much that means to both of us, how much we appreciate our We Have Cancer community. It's called we for a reason, folks. And sometimes we is about all of you, and sometimes we is about us, but we is about all of us that are touched by cancer. I'm excited for this week's episode as I have a returning guest. Sasha Denisova was first on We Have Cancer episode number 83. You can go back and listen to my initial conversation with Sasha at We Have Cancer Show forward slash 083. And what was just so incredible about Sasha's story and still is, is that she actively sought out help when she started experiencing symptoms and was basically ignored by the doctors that she went to, with some even accusing her of being a drug addict. Unbelievable. And until someone finally listened to her, she was already stage four. So Sasha is back now to talk about what's transpired in the 14 months or so since she was last on the show. She has been a real role model 
And I encourage those of you who are thinking about getting second opinions, maybe having a little bit of hesitancy about questioning what your doctor is suggesting in terms of your treatment, take a close listen to how Sasha really has taken full control over her treatment uh, and how she interacts with her medical teams, how she seeks out second, third, and even fourth opinions. I think you'll find this not only inspiring, but very informative. Join me now for my conversation with Sasha Denisova. Sasha, every now and then I get the pleasure of telling a guest, welcome back. And I get to say that to you. So welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Good, good. Glad to be back. And I'm really glad that you reached out to me and then kind of raised your hand and said, hey, I want to let you know good news and how things are going. Well, I wasn't going to, you know, pass on that opportunity to, to hear good news because when we spoke back in episode 83 about a year ago, you had really been through the ringer and were facing yet another surgery. And that's kind of where we left off. So bring us up to speed. We were talking before we hit record that you're back in the gym and you're exercising and I see a big smile on your face. So it sounds like there's a fair amount of good news coming from you. Oh, absolutely. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm feeling uh, better than ever. And uh, right after Thanksgiving was actually, quote unquote, my expiration date. So you know how much doctors love to give us those. So I'm officially expired, according to <laughs> medical science. <laughs> so I celebrated um, that morning with, with a run. And, you know, the fact that I'm feeling great, the doctors are using the word remission. So I'm really excited about that. Fantastic. The last uh, surgery was a huge success. So a little bit of a, a background of where we left off. So I was get, last time we spoke, I was getting ready for high pack surgery, and then they were going to do a colostomy takedown at the same time. And that was slotted for uh, late last January. Unfortunately, when I woke up, things didn't look so fabulous uh, because when the doctors opened me up, they found that my rectal stump uh, fused to the uterine wall and the peritoneum, at which point they stopped operating, but they uh, did no, uh, numerous biopsies and uh, what they thought was cancer actually turned out to be scar tissue. So the report was uh, no signs of disease, which was amazing and to everybody's surprise. However, that surgery left me with a very large incision and uh, scratching my head as to what's next. You know, where do I go? How do I get rid of the colostomy? You know, how do I um, get back to some sort of a, a semblance of a, a new normal? So my uh, the next step of my journey brought me to uh, the Mayo Clinic because uh, the uh, doctor who performed the second surgery wouldn't refer me. So I picked up uh, the phone and realized that at a certain point, I had to be my own advocate. I had to stop listening to what the doctors were telling me, you know, in my small town, Norrisville, Minnesota, and open my wings a little bit and, and fly and try to get the outcome that I wanted because living with a colostomy bag and making that colostomy a permanent one wasn't something I was willing to settle for. So, you know, where did that courage and strength come from 
to stand up and say, you know, I, I don't accept this. You know, not everybody is, you know, is that fearless and, and that confident, I guess, to, to say, not good enough. This is what I want. And I'm going to go do what I believe I need to do. To be honest with you, I was laying in that hospital and uh, I woke up and I was running a really high fever because somewhere in there I got an infection in the hospital and I woke up completely covered in my own blood and I looked down at the incision and they didn't put a a drainage tube and it was just uh, gushing blood. So I picked up a towel, you know, I put a towel over the incision and I paged the doctor. So the, the resident came in the room and he paused, he screamed, and he ran out of the room. At which point I realized that I needed to leave and I needed to get to a better standard of care. Otherwise, that was going to be my reality. You know, I didn't know what to do, uh, but I knew that there had to be something better. There had to be hope at the end of the, the rainbow. And that's what I tell folks every day is don't settle for that diagnosis. Get a second opinion, get a third opinion, get a fourth opinion. And that's what brought me to the Mayo Clinic. And what happened at Mayo? So ironically, nothing good. But it also taught me a very uh, valuable lesson about really listening to doctors and really hearing what they're saying. And don't take me wrong, the diagnostic technology at the Mayo uh, was phenomenal. They did a pelvic MRI and they did a barium x-ray, which showed the fusion, you know, down to, you know, like a microscopic level. They showed me everything on the big screen. But when it came to surgery talk, the doctor didn't examine me, which made me feel more than uncomfortable. And then uh, she told me that it was convenient for her to do my surgery after the 4th of July. When did this conversation take place? February. Whoa. <laughs> yes. And, and my question was, well, what is the optimal case for me knowing that my organs heal too fast and that my body is trying to heal itself? Wouldn't it make sense to do surgery earlier because obviously that scar tissue keeps forming. And, but again, it was convenient for her to do the surgery after the 4th of July. Another thing, she proposed to do a series of two surgeries. So I mentioned I had the fusion of the rectal stump. So instead of attempting separation, she was just going to cut it off. Right. Mm. And, the doctors at Memorial Sloan Kettering would that uh, tell me that her proposal would have left me with permanent incontinence. So she proposed cutting the rectal stump very low and then giving me a temporary ileostomy. So I didn't want two surgeries. I didn't want another three months, you know, trading the colostomy with an ileostomy and then having that ileostomy uh, takedown which is what brought me to Sloan Kettering in uh, New York City. And to be honest with you, I was terrified. I was, you know, alone in the Big Apple. And (laughs) I was asking uh, those doctors if they would do something different. And what was amazing to me being there versus being even at the Mayo Clinic, it's the first thing the doctor did was examine me. Oh my goodness, you know, the, the, the Mayo folks never even looked at me, right? They, they looked at the beautiful x-rays, they looked at the beautiful MRI, but they didn't actually, you know, examine what the rectum looked like, what 
for example, my insides look like, right? They never did a colonoscopy or some endoscopy or any of the above, right? So they just relied only on imagery. These guys uh, did both. And what also surprised me is that they presented my case to the board. Nobody's ever presented my case to the board. So there was a board of doctors who decided the best way to proceed with surgery. So it, this, this was the first time, which again, gave me confidence that this was going to be the best outcome uh, for me. And obviously they, you know, they gave me the numbers, you know, 25% chance that they were going to find cancer and perform HIPAC instead of the surgery to separate my organs. There was another 50% chance of a hysterectomy. And I knew that the Mayo gave me uh, those same odds. However, there was, you know, after we calculated all those percentages, there was a 37 and a half percent chance that everything was going to go great, right? No ileostomy, and we were going to succeed with organ separation. And to me, that was good enough because nobody before this gave me that percentage, right? It just didn't exist. So my best case scenario at the Mayo was them not giving me a hysterectomy. So I uh, flew out to uh, to New York and had the surgery. So it was, <laughs> to be honest with you, it was terrifying. And, you know, my my parents flew out for, for the week and uh, stayed uh, with me at the hospital. My cousin let me stay at her condo, which was amazing. And then the uh, nurse's service of Manhattan came to see me every day after I was released from the hospital. So that was amazing. And when they opened me up, the surgery had that best possible outcome. However, they had to fix the incision from the second surgery because apparently two different people, most likely students, stitched me up and they didn't line up the sides of my stomach correctly. So they had to make even a larger incision, reposition everything, clean it up, and then they found a small piece of plastic inside that was was causing me pain. And I just thought that maybe it was gas, maybe I was eating things incorrectly, and it was a, a, a piece of plastic that was impacting my digestion. So how long were you in the hospital for this surgery? So I was in the hospital for eight days. And the reason being is I developed an ileum and they had to do an NG tube for three days. I strongly don't, don't recommend that one. That was uh, not fun. But again, the, the just the level of care at Memorial Sloan Kettering was amazing. I wasn't used to everybody being so nice and everybody being so attentive. And, you know, the nurse's aide came and walked with me uh, three times a day and made sure that I was getting up. And just simple things that I haven't received up until this point in my journey. So I, I strongly recommend to our fellow survivors and folks who are listening to this is get a second opinion, take a look at how they're treating you and check out those big cancer centers, go to Sloan Kettering, go to MD Anderson and figure out if your insurance covers it because turns out it was in network for my insurance. Who knew? 
right? But if I, but if I didn't ask that question, I would have never known. Uh, I flew up to Sloan Kettering for my liver resection. I'm fortunate to have the Moffitt Cancer Center, which is also an NCI center here in Florida, right nearby, and they are fantastic. But I wanted a second opinion on my liver resection and made the decision to have that. And just like you, I flew to New York and had the same wonderful experience at Sloan that, that you did. So be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. And so the surgery was took place when, Sasha? Uh, so it was ex- almost to the day, exactly a year after my first surgery. So it was May 26th. So fast forward exactly seven months today as we're recording this. Yep. So this episode is going to come out in the spring because we're almost at year's end, but we're recording this the day after Christmas 2018. So exactly seven months. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. To be honest with you, this was a, a really rough recovery and it took a lot longer just to to get to a normal and simple things initially were really hard and then getting things to move correctly and introducing, you know, normal foods. And that took probably about three months. Hmm. Uh, But I went back to the gym at the end of July because I wanted to to get in shape, you know, and I was self-conscious about my scars and, you know, my stomach was still uneven and things like that. So I go to, I I found a guided fitness gym. So they do nutrition counseling. There is uh, personal training. So they were able to design a, a workout that was going to build those muscles, but yet uh, not put too much tension. That's what I wanted because I was a little uh, conscious about working out on my own or even uh, going to a trainer that might have not been familiar with abdominal surgery or, or anything like that. So this place is just fantastic. And they were able to work with me. And, you know, now I'm doing uh, some crazy wall crunches while I'm laying on the, the BOSU ball and my feet are up on up on the wall and I'm doing crunches like that. So that was pretty wow. awesome feeling wow. to be able to do that. You and I need to talk because I love the gym like you do. But I really avoid doing too much in the abdominal area for this exact same reason. So uh, you may you may have some tips for me. We have to talk. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I remember when we spoke a year ago, that was like one of the biggest things you talked about was you couldn't wait to get, be able to go back and, and run. I remember you even mentioned possibly doing a Spartan and, and, and all these kinds of things. And I'm so excited. And I'm sure our listeners who've been following your journey are so excited to hear that you're, you're back at it again. Oh, absolutely. I did my uh, uh, first mud run. So just just uh, just a little one, just a 5k back in the middle of September, just to say I can do it just to prove it to myself. And I my time wasn't fantastic. I want to say I finished in about (laughs) 50 minutes. But it was you know, I had you had to run up a, a ski hill three times. So I figured if I could run up a ski hill three times, do a bunch of obstacles and still finish and get my medal. That was uh, a good sign, but uh, definitely 2019 is going to be my year. So I am already signed up for the Tough Mudder. I'm planning to do uh, my Spartan and, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. I can't say that I'm 
100%, but I'm definitely, you know, in that 85 to 90% range because I, I catch myself. Sometimes I have, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the ghost pains. Oh, sure. Yep. And, and sometimes the, the muscles just don't respond correctly, but the doctors are telling me to hang in there and it might take a year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing with you, not at you. You know, it's amazing. You said, I just did 5k and I'm thinking, how amazing is it that you did it? And you're saying, yeah, but my time wasn't great. And I'm like, you did one (laughs) and you're worried about your time. So I'm seeing there's a competitive side to you. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I I was on a roll, I think the month of September and I did three 5Ks back to back. And I see that you're wearing a get your rear end gear uh, (laughs) t-shirt. So I did that one and I finished in 28 minutes for that 5K. So it was, uh, I was pretty proud. My goal was to finish under 30. So I I definitely was able to do it. So now just to shave off uh, a couple more minutes and get back into that tip top shape. I want to frame this for our audience. And I do hope that those folks who'd missed our first interview will go back and hear your entire story because it's absolutely incredible what I'm hearing you tell me now after hearing how this all started. And folks can go back and listen to that at wehavecancershow.com forward slash 083. But at one point, believe a resident said the following words to you. Oh, you're still here. We almost lost you. Yep, absolutely. And here we are talking about doing Tough mutters and 5Ks and in the gym. So folks, you know, look at the, you know, listen to this story. We almost lost you to, oh, I did three 5Ks this past September. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I see you. I see one of your fur babies just jumped up on your lap. <laughs> yep, this, this is Simba. And he uh, he's one and he is he's a good boy, but a, a little bit of pus. I actually got him last Christmas because it was, yep, you know, I was I was sick and my other fur baby was diagnosed with cancer. And mm. both of us having cancer was a little bit uh, tough on the sure. household. So we we got Simba to bring us a little bit of joy. And, you know, my older guy, it's it's a year later. I chose not to uh, put him through surgery because he's 12 and he's still very much with us. And him and his brother run around. So uh, we're... It seems to run in the family, doesn't it? Well, I think, uh, you know, me getting better really helped him fight as well. When you think back to how this all started from someone first saying that, oh, it's just food poisoning, to where you are today. What what goes through your mind, Sasha? To be honest with you, I love sharing my story to tell people to be their own advocates, right? Because they need to ask those questions. I knew it wasn't food poisoning. You know, I didn't know what it was and, and cancer didn't occur to me, but I knew it wasn't E. coli. I wasn't I didn't know it was cancer, obviously, but I knew there was something seriously wrong with me. So what I tell people and what I want to tell our audience is be your own advocate. Make sure that you're demanding that colonoscopy. And I've had friends say, well, I'm too young. Well, your doctor can override that. And I actually have a friend who just uh, got his first uh, uh, colonoscopy. He is uh, not 50. He's... um, 
uh, right about 45, and they were able to do it, and they found precancerous polyps, and they were able to remove them. So they said if he would have actually gone in when he was 50, there was a good chance that would have been mm. cancer. Wow. So it's, it's, it's a matter of demanding care, and it's demanding treatment. And if you're not getting those answers from the first doctor, go to the second doctor, go to the third doctor. So in addition to be your own advocate, which is a constant message that has been shared many times and is so, so important, talk a little bit about why exercise is so important to you as well. Well, I think now it's even more important than it was before because a healthy body can fight better than a non-healthy body. And I've heard that from multiple surgeons saying, well, you have a much better chance with this surgery because you're fit, because you don't have excess weight. And because you're exercising, you're going to have an easier recovery. So just that overall health. And you don't have to do a crazy diet. You don't have to stop eating absolutely everything you love, everything in moderation, right? I love ice cream. I still have ice cream. You know, I love cake. I, I just don't have it every day. And it's you know, just paying a little bit more attention uh, to the food. And I hate the excuse, well, I can't. Well, yes, you can. Because the the thing is, you don't want to. And and isn't that true for exercise too? Look, not everybody can do a 5K, but you can still do well by by your body in terms of exercise, even if you can't do a 5K, right? Well, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be a 5k. It's walk for 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody can do that. And the other excuse I hear all the time, well, I don't have time. You have 20 minutes, right? You can find 20 minutes in that day where you can just go for a walk. You don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to lift uh, crazy weights or anything like that. Just that simple exercise and, and daily, right? You can do that little bit a day and it's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you heal better and it's going to make it easier on your surgeon. Because again, if they're not going through some of those extra layers, it's going to be an easier incision. And for those folks out there who, you know, are in a very challenging situation where, you know, look, we all know some people where 20 minutes walk isn't possible. Some time back, I interviewed a dear friend, Jean DiCarlo Wagner. You can find Jean on Facebook. Again, her name is Jean DiCarlo Wagner, and she teaches cancer patients how to just do gentle yoga from bed or from a recliner. So if you're in a situation where you, you know, 20 minutes of walking or even 10 is, is not something you're able to do now, um, maybe suggest some gentle yoga in a recliner or in a bed. You know, anything is better than nothing, right? Anything is better than nothing. Absolutely. And certainly we wish all of our friends who've been touched by cancer can someday do a 5K or, or walk 20 minutes. We also understand that, you know, some people aren't in that situation yet today. So there's always something you can do that you're not doing now. And, and I think that's, that's what that's, you know, the message that you're conveying here. So, 
Well, Sasha, it's first and foremost, it's great to see your smiling face and, <laughs> and you know, see how this uh, has evolved for you in such a wonderful way. I'm sure Christmas was extra special for you this year. As we're, like I said, as we're talking, uh, we just finished uh, Christmas yesterday and I'm looking at your beautiful tree in the background. So many more wonderful holidays in your future and continued good health. And thanks for jumping back on the show with us. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for letting me give everybody an update and just a message for everybody out there. Keep fighting. You got this. You can do it. And like Lee said, any sort of exercise is better than nothing. And don't get down on yourself. You can and you will. And if people want to reach out to you online with questions, where can they find you? They can contact me on Facebook, Sasha Denisova, or they can send me an email, and that is Erlicheda, and that is E-R-L-I-C-H-E-D-A at the letter Q.com. And I'll have links to both of those in the show notes with today's episode. If you were driving or working out and didn't catch all that, don't worry. Just go on wehavecancershow.com and it'll be there right below a nice smiling picture of Sasha and you'll be able to find those links there. Sasha, thank you again. Be well. Thank you, Lee. Have a great one. You too. There are several ways you can support the Colon Cancer Coalition with some exciting event taking place across the country coming up in May and June. Let's start with the Get Your Rear in Gear 5K Run, Walk, and Kids Fun Run events. There are four of them coming up in the months of May and June, starting on Sunday, May 19th in Orlando, Florida at Bill Frederick Park, the following Sunday, May 26th in Wichita, Kansas at the Farm and Art Market Plaza at Old Town, Wichita, on Saturday, June 1st in Little Rock, Arkansas at Burns Park, and lastly on Saturday, June 22nd in Rochester, Minnesota at Soldiers Field. There are two other exciting events taking place as ways for you to support the Colon Cancer Coalition. The first one is coming up on Saturday, June 8th. It is the Tour de Touche bike event taking place in Allentown, Pennsylvania at Grange Park. You have your choice of a 10, 30, or 60-mile bike ride. And finally, on Friday, June 14th, for our friends near Bloomingdale, Illinois, is the Caboose Cup. This is a four-person scramble golf event sponsored by the folks at BCH Wealth Management. This is a four-person scramble, 18-hole event. Uh, starting with mimosas and Bloody Mary bar, which sounds good to me. Uh, lunch and beer is included and all kinds of door prizes that you can win. Again, this is the Caboose Cup at Bloomingdale Golf Club taking place on Friday, June 14th in Bloomingdale, Illinois. For more information on this and all other events sponsored by the Colon Cancer Coalition, visit their website at coloncancercoalition.org. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.